This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Just got done with a little Rangers hockey. We'll take you to seven to some Islanders hockey. Islanders avalanche? Yes, I believe that is the case. Pre-game at seven. So we got a little shortened show today, but look, we don't subtract anything. We just make sure we get it all in in the time that we have. So, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. If you want to get on board, that's the number to do so. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And you can find me on TikTok, at Old Man Radio. And look, we got it all. We'll squeeze it all in here before 7 o'clock. The Yankees certainly will be front and center. I'm not exactly sure why it's all the Yankees all the time and the Mets are not part of the conversation anymore because their season's over too. We'll get a little bit of comparison there. But, of course, this is football season, right? And it's – well, let me put it this way. It's still football season because you and I both know over the last five years, even though the NFL season has been continuing at this point, usually with the Jets and Giants when we get to this point – it becomes Googling mock draft season. That's what time it becomes usually around this time of year, but not this year. Not this year. Jets are very much alive. Jet, the Giants very much alive. You got the Jets and Patriots tomorrow. Our coverage at 11 o'clock right here on your home of Jets football. Giants and Seahawks out in Seattle. The big blue dream continues. Brian Dable's unbelievable season continues. I learned something about Brian Dable this week. Maybe you already knew it. I did not know it, but it blew me away. So we'll get to that in the course of the day. We'll get to the Knicks' performance against the Bucks, which um, I, I don't know why anybody is re- – like, why is anybody surprised? Like, I see the headlines today. Knicks get reality check. Knicks don't measure up. Knicks have no answers for y- – yeah, duh. <laughs> like, who was – I know, you know, you're expecting better things this year, but – that's a pretty big leap to be expecting to go up against the Bucks and, and uh, you know, taking down Milwaukee and handling Giannis. That would be a real surprise, but we'll get to that. We'll talk Giants with Pat Leonard coming up here in a little bit. And, uh, look, all the usual staples, what I learned this week on TikTok. Usually we do it at 5. Today we will do it at 6. Julian and Jacob are not getting any reprieve there. And before we roll around to 7 o'clock, we got to get to the NFL picks because – Out of all the hosts, on all the shows, on this radio station, people, there can only be one. And you are listening to him right now. My friend, I am that one. The most accurate picks, the best week of the season this past week. I am hot. I will stay hot this week. And look, I don't know what other way to put it. Like, I am lapping the field. And all these shows do all their picks, and there is nobody who is even remotely close to me, and much like Robert Sala, I have the receipts to back it up. Last week, 5-0, so the Free Money Express will continue. We'll do that a little bit later on. Of course, you got the World Series going on. The Phillies take game one, down 5-0 against Justin Verl. And how did they win it? How did they win it? Did they win it with, like, a walk? and then stealing a base, and then bunting him over, and then scoring on like a wild pitch or something. No, they hit a home run. And as we told you last week, you have to hit home runs in the postseason. And look at that. Game one of the World Series. Again, the home run, the difference. After last week, I got so many people, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You have to learn the game. All these people, they are walking into the public square and declaring themselves idiots and morons. And I went back and I did the math. So far, up until right now, there have been 34 playoff games this year. 
The teams that win the home run battle are 20 and 5. Yes, you better hit home runs. And did you notice last night? The Astros trying to cheat again. Those cheating scoundrels. Those absolute cheating scoundrels. They're like the Ken Patera of the of of the uh, of, of Major League Baseball. Ken Patera, former professional wrestler, former bo- was he a bodybuilder or a weightlifter? I'm not sure, but he was definitely in the WWF. And his motto was, "Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat." And last night, uh, the guy Diaz trying to lean into a pitch in a big spot, and the umpire said, "No, no, 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 no." You stay here, you rotten cheat. I mean, it's unbelievable. You can't stop them. Well, look, I mean, they haven't ever gotten punished for any of the cheating they've done before, so I guess you just keep it going. But that win by the Phillies last night was good for them, clearly, to win game one of the World Series. But you know what that win was good for? It's good for society. It's good for mankind. Because if you believe in, like, karma or kismet or fate or sports gods, or, like, if you have a philosophy in life of what goes around comes around, well, then the Astros should not only not win this World Series, they should never win a World Series again. They should go down in history and be known throughout the rest of human existence as the team that was the team for a little while, for a period of time. They were really, really good, but they cheated, and they never won another title. Not just this title any titles ever again because they are grifters. They are frauds. And plus, there's a part of me that likes the Phillies winning because that has to aggravate Met fans a little bit, right? I mean, like the third-place team in your division, the team that you handled all season, the team that your announcer said he couldn't watch. It was beneath him to watch. Keith Hernandez, oh, I can't watch the Phillies. Beneath me. And now they're three wins away from the World Series. And, I mean, look, that's got to frustrate Met fans to no, ex- I mean, to no end. Right? Last year it was the Braves. This year it's the Phillies. And it's been 36 years. I mean, we go on about the Yankees and Brian Cashman like he belongs in jail. It's been 13 for them. 36 for the Mets. But as I said, well, look, you can boo me all you want, but I just bring facts. I bring facts in the picks. I bring facts in base. I bring facts. If you don't like the facts, that's on you. That's on you. It has literally been 36 years. I did the math, and I I will grant you, my math sometimes is shaky. It was not a strong point in school. But I checked it a couple of times with the calculator on the phone, and yeah, it's still 36 years. But look, this is football season, and this is week eight. So this is not, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season. This is not the time of the year where you're blowing things out of proportion. Now you're starting to get a, a little feel for the. I mean, we're almost halfway. I don't like the fact that we have 17 games and there's not really a halfway point of the season. I like the better one. You know, week eight was the halfway. But what are you going to do? Got to make that money. Uh, and if I had told you before the season that the Jets would be 5-2 and two and the Giants would be 6-1, and one, you would think Gordon's been drinking 24-7. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, and, and who knows what's in the drinks, right? So, I mean, there's been years where if the Giants win six games – all season, that was like, whoa, okay, well, they won six this year. The Jets have not won more than five games since 2015. Since Todd Bowles' first season. Brees Hall was a freshman in high school the last time the Jets won more than five games. But here we are. Halloween is on Monday. 
Jets and Giants are not just masquerading as good teams. They actually have the look of playoff teams. And here's the difference. This week, at least. Giants, Seahawks. Giants could withstand a loss, right? Like, I'm not saying that they will lose or that they should lose. We'll save that for the pick segment, which, again, in case I haven't told you or you didn't hear, I'm on fire. But the Jets, on the other hand, this is not a game they can lose. The Jets have to win tomorrow. It is time. I I couldn't get over this. I I know it's been a while. It's been six straight years that the Jets have lost to the Patriots. Six years in a row. 12 straight games. I mean, I, I went back and I tried to find the accurate information. I couldn't, it was difficult to find. But I think that there are only, since the merger, there have only been like six or seven teams that have lost more games in a row to a division opponent. In football, since the merger, they've lost 20 of 22. And, I mean, I probably don't need to tell you this, almost all of them have not been heartbreakers, right? There hasn't been a field goal at the gun. The Patriots in this 12-game winning streak have outscored the Jets 378 to 133. That's a 245-point differential. The average score is 31 to 11. Last year, they outscored them 79 to 19. And as bad as that is, the Patriots have loved it. They have loved, I mean, Bill Belichick, no one holds a grudge like that guy. I know he doesn't like the Jets. He he walked away from the Jets. You would think after a while, you would like eventually, the, the, the hatred would dissipate some. It seems like it's only grown. I mean, he has shoved it down your throat, among other places. So now is finally the time. You are better than you've been, and they're worse than they've been. You are at home. They might be the worst team in the division. They are not, they should not be a playoff team this year. So you have to go out there and get your pound of flesh. And I get it. You know, the injuries this week to Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker, it's football. It's the NFL. It's week eight. Injuries happen. I get it. I mean, you probably would, those would be the two worst injuries you might have. Like, if you had to run through and I say, all right, uh, who are the two guys you don't want to get hurt? Well, you say, well, you know, the running back's been sensational. has really been driving the offense. Don't want him to get hurt. And i probably keep my uh, most important offensive lineman. Okay, both those guys are gone now. So those are devastating injuries. Every team's got bad injuries right now. You still have the defense. You still have the pass rush. You still have the secondary. You still have Garrett Wilson, who, I mean, people on this station were making out to be Jerry Rice after that Browns game. And you still got Zach Wilson. And that's really, I mean, when you talk about the the good feeling that Jet fans have right now, the one caveat really in this whole equation has been the quarterback. You know, the good vibrations for the Gang Green Tour has been, you know, the quarterback has not really, so far, taken that step forward. And you're going to need him now to definitely take that step forward. Because all the rebuilding that you've done to this point and all the good feelings that you got is kind of hinging on the quarterback. And for all the praise that Joe Douglas has gotten after this past draft this, this year, oh, my gosh, he, did, he got this guy, got that. Oh, it's unbelievable. Out of all the draft, I mean, they, they praised the first year, too, and it didn't turn out that way. 
the biggest draft pick that he made was not this year. It was the quarterback. And it's time now for Zach Wilson to show you more. He doesn't have to shoot, you know, he doesn't have to be over the moon. But he's got to give you more than he's been giving you so far. And if, it do, if he doesn't tomorrow, and if the Jets don't win tomorrow, it's only one game. You don't want to make it out like it's the end of the world. But, like, if you're not going to do it now, when are you ever going to do it? It's been so bad for so long. At some point, you got to take control of it. And if you can't take control of it in a game against the Patriots now, it makes it kind of hard to believe that it's ever going to happen. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we're going to talk a little Giants. We'll talk with Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News next. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM and the all-new ESPN New York app. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, we're back here on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 ESPN New York. Big game for the Giants this week, week eight. They're out in Seattle to face off against the Seahawks. And no one better to talk about a little Giants football with Pat Leonard than, of course, you can find him on the Talking Ball podcast with Pat Leonard. And he is also on TikTok, PL on NFL. So, Pat, thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes this afternoon. Got it, Gordon. Thanks for the plug. Uh, well, look, I mean, before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, it's been a while since we talked. Could you ever have imagined that this giant season would go like this? <laughs> well, I'm on the record predicting them in the summer that they were going to win three games. So I got an egg on my face. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. You know, you look at their training camp, Gordon, and Saquon looked great. And there's no doubt that you could see that he looked like he might be able to do something special. But nobody knew they'd be able to run block this well. And as much as you hoped for the coaching to make a difference, I don't think even the people who believe the most in Brian Dable knew how much of a difference Dable, Kafka, the offensive coordinator, and Martindale were going to make on the game plans and the team's ability to play well late in games. It's just their coaching staff gives them more of an edge, I think, maybe than any other staff in the league is for a team right now. Was there a moment? Obviously, there has to have been a moment here somewhere along the line. What was the moment where you said, you know what, maybe this is going to be different? Well, the the Packers game in London, because going into that game, it was kind of okay. You know, they've won more games than I expected them to already out of the gate, but the Cowboys looked like the clearly better team. You know, here they are stepping up in class, and then the game starts, and the whole stadium's against them, and the Packers look like the clearly better team. The way Daniel Jones played, the way the team um, fought back, the way that everybody on the roster, down to the 55th man, contributed in that win, that was the point. I mean, the, the most important part of the season still, in hindsight, is Brian Dayball going for two in Tennessee in week one and getting it and winning the game because the players, and you tell people around the league too, like getting the results early, and it sounds so obvious. You lose early, you start to lose belief. You win early, you start to gain belief. But in this giant season trajectory, winning that game the way they won it, emboldened them to feel like they could still pull these games out. And it reinforced some of what Dable was teaching them 
as far as being aggressive and not giving up and playing the full four quarters. And, you know, I'd say those two moments have stuck out to me so far as why they are 6-1. and one. We're talking with Pat Leonard, who, of course, covers the Giants, NFL columnist for the New York Daily News. Um, look, every NFL season, there are always a lot of coaching vacancies and coaching openings. Has there been one thing about the Brian Day? Is there a lesson to be learned about Brian Dable taking over this Giants team? Because you mentioned, I mean, like, I think most of us looked at the offseason the Giants had. They did not make many changes. They couldn't make many changes because of the situation that they inherited. But they came in right away and hit the ground running and are winning games. Is there any lesson to be learned for whatever other teams are going to be looking for coaches in this next offseason that they can look at Brian Dable and say, that's the kind of guy that we should be going for? Well, I think the, from a Giants perspective, the offensive acumen of Dable and Mike Kafka together, you know, there's a lot of me that looks at how Dable coaches the team. Because even though he's a nice guy and a relatable guy, he's still a Bill Belichick guy behind the scenes. He's not, a, he's not you know, easy on players necessarily. It is tougher behind the scenes than you might think. But there's a large part of me that I feel like the Giants now – are Joe Judge's Giants, but with an offensive acumen that is just at among the highest in the league. And that's not just the head coach, it's also the offensive coordinator in Kafka, but there's definitely an element of, and listen, they don't have one of the best offenses in the league as far as explosiveness and all that, but they are the most creative and adaptable and um, intelligent as far as the timing of their play calls. They're right up there with everyone in the league. The other thing I would say, Gordon, is I don't know if this is a too small of a sample size of judges, but you and I both know, you know, turnover has never been higher in the NFL. I mean, basically a third of the league changed head coaches going into this season. There's a part of me that looks at the, all these teams trying to copy the Sean McVay model of hiring the next new young thing and, you know, Matt, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay and Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. And listen, those guys have won games. Taylor's been to a Super Bowl berth and all that. But I think Dable being a veteran coach of the NFL and not just being the next hot commodity that pops up and has a good season as a coordinator. And he's, you know, he's not, he's not a 33-year-old who hasn't been in the league and is learning on the job. It is his first head coaching job, but there's a lot of institutional knowledge. And so the offensive acumen part stands out to me, but also – in a league where owners just have no patience now, I think you really need to look if you're an owner hiring a head coach this coming spring at, even if this guy's a first head coach, you know, has he been in the league long enough to know how to deal with the ups and downs, not just week to week, but in a game when his team isn't doing as well. Dan Quinn is a guy with the Cowboys who not only is doing great as a coordinator, but he's also a former head coach. And he's just the kind of guy who's going to be at the forefront of the hiring cycle because teams need institutional knowledge and experience there. We're talking with Pat Leonard about the Giants as they get ready to face off against the Seahawks. Giants making some news in the course of the week with the trade of Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs. I know you've had, you had that, I think, back in training camp, uh, that you know, they were shopping him and they were looking for the possibility of maybe moving him. What was your reaction to the actual trade? Yeah, yeah, back in April they were trying to trade him, and then teams were like, wait a second, your, your first-round pick from a year ago is on the block? Something's wrong. <laughs> so my reaction 
when Shane got a third-round pick as part of the package was, hey, good job. Because, frankly, this guy's been on the injury shelf. Obviously, Tadarius is saying he's not hurt now, which is interesting. But the bottom line is to get a third-round pick for a guy who really has barely played and who wasn't much of a part of your team anyway, that's a, that's a solid job. Uh, you know, I think not surprising at all to me. I think they wanted to get rid of him since the beginning, basically, when he skipped the early part of Dable's offseason program. And he just wasn't putting in the work consistently. And, um, you know, I think it's a good thing for the Giants for Dable to demonstrate that if you don't put in the work, whether you're a first-round pick or an undrafted free agent, you're not going to fit here. You know, I think that – and I know that that's a message that has gotten through to some guys and that they appreciate, frankly. Um, You know – I think Kadarius, it'll be good for him to be out of the New York spotlight somewhere where maybe he can uh, work in silence. Uh, Great offense for him to be in. But this is something important too, Gordon. It's like if he has an 80-yard touchdown in a couple weeks from Patrick Mahomes, why the heck did the Giants trade this guy? Because the the fact of the matter is he wasn't doing it, he wasn't a fit, and he wasn't producing or contributing in any way. So – uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Even if he has a pops up and has a little production here and there, to me that's not going to be a revisionist history of what the heck were they doing. Yeah, I mean, look, they tried to clearly tried to reach the guy. They they realize what a talent he is when he's on the field, but he's he's never been on the field. I mean, he was not on the field really all that much. I mean, he had that one great game last year against Dallas, which he got ejected for for throwing a punch. They had a the real he had a good game against the Saints. But, I mean, that was pretty much all of his production even last year. So, yeah, it's, it's one thing to say if he all of a sudden clicks in Kansas City that, 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 you know, oh, wow, did the Giants mess up there. But he was never – it didn't seem like he was ever going to be on the field, so he was never going to have the chance to do that for you. Yeah, if, if Kadarius Tony produces in Kansas City, it, if it justifies anything, it would just be reinforcing that Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman knew what they were doing and the talent they were getting when they traded back and drafted him. But – as far as whether that would make the Giants look bad, you know, it would not to me because the Giants are in a different place. They know who they are. They're acquiring assets for a long-term rebuild. And Tony had a chance and proved that he was not somebody who's going to be a part of that long-term solution. So we're getting close to the trade deadline. It's November 1st. Uh, I, would have, I, I thought kind of going into this year, you know, this is an evaluation year, right? It's, it's just about finding out what you have on the roster that you can move forward with. And whatever you want to do, just don't trade any future assets for the now because the now is not really what it's about. But given how the year is gone, given how, you know, they're 6-1, and one, given the schedule, given the landscape of the NFC, and, and just given how – um, lacking they are at the skill positions, do the, are the Giants kind of forced to maybe make a move here before the trade deadline to just bring on some help, do you think? That's a great question, Gordon. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, my best indications from sources with the Giants, outside of the Giants in the league, people feel like Joe Shane is open to anything. You know, it, uh, Going into the Tony trade, I knew that they might sell despite being 6-1. and one. And it was not out of the question that they might try to make a smart buy. They don't have even $4 million of salary cap space. So if they take something on in a trade, it has to be somebody who is affordable. That probably means a rookie contract. It's more likely that they keep making these calculated practice squad signings of veterans that they then elevate. Is Odell Beckham Jr. an option down the road in December? 
um, at a more affordable value because the Giants are nine and one or have ten or eleven wins, and they feel like they can finally convince Odell to play, even though he's not making a lot. You know, that's something to look at. Uh, but no, the bottom line is it's not out of the question they make a buy, especially looking at their receiver position. But so far, I mean, look, listen, their three next three opponents: Seattle, Houston, Detroit. They could. I know this is crazy. They could be nine and one after those three games. And, you know, they've got Marcus Johnson, who even though he's had a couple drops, they really like him a lot. Darius Slayton has raised his play. Looks like they're hoping Kenny Galladay gets healthy and helps them. Uh, Robert Foster, a guy who played in Buffalo for Brian Dable, is back on the practice squad, could help them down the road, coming back from a hamstring injury. So I, I think it's possible they add calculatedly, but it's more likely and just as likely, if not, that they ride with what they have and they just make smart veteran moves similar to, you know, the Jalen Smith, Landon Collins type signings they've done on the defensive side. We're talking with Pat Leonard, who covers the Giants for the New York Daily News, also the host of the Talking Ball podcast with Pat Leonard. Well, coming into the year, the two big questions was what's going to happen with Daniel Jones after this year? What's going to happen with Saquon Barkley after this year? So far, again, it's not the whole season. It's not really even half a season yet, but it could not have gone better for both players. Do you think that the Giants, in their minds, have kind of made up their minds on the future of both players on their roster, or do you think that there's still more to be decided? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, Gordon, interesting part of this is well, there's a lot of interesting angles. One of the interesting things is if Saquon had a great start to this season, you didn't envision the Giants to be winning. No. And you envisioned it almost being a situation where he would make himself more attractive as a trade chip and he might get traded before the deadline. But at 6-1 and one with him, the focal point of one of the NFL's best rushing offenses and has the Giants fans are revitalized, you know, it's, it's hard to envision Joe Shane going that direction. And so uh, as far as re-signing long-term, the, the next interesting decision is who do you use your tag on? So franchise tag, transition tag, do you use a tag on Daniel Jones for one season as a placeholder and sign Saquon long-term? Or do you use the tag on Saquon for one year and sign Daniel Jones long-term? That's, that's the question if you're the Giants right now. I think you have to account for, well, would Saquon Barkley be okay with getting a one-year tag versus Daniel Jones getting one? Um, you know, whether it's franchise tag, transition tag is probably a smart way to go if you go with Daniel Jones. Um, I would say this. Both players have acquitted themselves well, and it's not just because the team is winning. They are both playing the best ball of their careers. And I think Daniel Jones, at this rate, if he stays healthy and keeps playing this way, there is no question he's a giant next year, just based on how he's playing right now, if it continues. Uh, be interesting to see if Joe Shane pays a running back big money. You know, Saquon Barkley's not just a running back. That's part of the calculus there, too. They don't view him as just a running back. He's a dynamic player as a receiver as well. Uh, but Shane, as a newer age GM, is definitely not profile as a Dave Gettleman type who drafts a running back second overall. So that is the much more intriguing and interesting or less obvious decision. Yeah, and with Jones, I mean, look, he's playing great, so he deserves it on his own. But winning all these games, it makes it harder to find another alternative to go out and, and find a quarterback, right. right? You're not going to be picking in the top five or the top ten like the Giants have been here the last five years. 
That's right. And, and, you know, like every year, you know, the top five QBs or whatever that everyone was scouting at the start of September, I mean, not all these guys are profiling. In fact, most of them are not profiling as sure things, even if they're talented. And so, you know, but to your point, as of this moment, they wouldn't be picking high enough to even be able to go get one of the top guys anyway if they have two favorites of the top five. So, um, you know, I think a tag is a, a tag at this moment is most certainly in one of those two players' futures. I think my opinion is that it probably would be Jones because he's a quarterback, and you, you know, you kind of, uh, uh, you know, as as far as Saquon being like the highlight headliner of your franchise right now. Maybe he's the guy you pay, but boy, oh boy, that's a rabbit hole. I never thought I'd saw I'd see I'd see Joe Shane going down. Yeah, I've always felt like it was going to be either, not both. Right? <laughs> We're talking with Pat right. Leonard here on uh, the Gordon Damer Show. All right, one last one. Uh, you're talking about you know Saquon's just not a running back. He's a dynamic player. Uh, another dynamic player who's out there. There's been some whispers about. What do you think the possibility of Odell Beckham Jr. having a return with the Giants? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for the Giants because, like, the Rams, part of the way they got him to come to L.A. last year was they said, listen, we can't pay you a lot, but we'll put some incentives in this contract. So, which obviously he reached, uh, I think, all of them. You know, advancing in the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl, scoring touchdowns, all that. The Giants, it, the way they are structured financially right now, they have very little wiggle room to add any kind of money or desire to add incentives like that to somebody's contract at this juncture. So it becomes more difficult to attract Odell Beckham Jr. over one of these other teams or contenders who would be able to pay him probably more base salary plus incentives in that regard. The Giants do have, though, the allure of New York, the return of Odell to New York. I mean, his brand is, is huge and global, but it's never been the same since he was traded away from here, especially going to Cleveland. And I know that that's something that he wouldn't mind having back again. And who wouldn't? So I think every game the Giants win makes it more likely that it's possible that Odell comes here, even if it's not this year, maybe next year. But, I, you know, listen, come December, late November, December, which is when it's expected he'll get possibly healthier and be able to return to a practice field. If the Giants keep winning games – everybody should have his name at the forefront of their minds as those dates roll around. Pat, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll see what the Giants have up their sleeve this Sunday. Thanks, man. You got it, Gordon. Thank you. That is Pat Leonard. Of course, does a great job covering the Giants for the New York Daily News. Coming up, we'll get back to the phone calls. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. People, you know the music. You know what that means. It is time for what I learned this week on TikTok. But before that, let me tell you, coming up November 18th, the Michael K. Show is celebrating 20 years on ESPN New York. 20 years with a live broadcast and after party at the Palladium in Times Square. Now, leading up to the event, listen to DPH run Rothenberg in the morning, 5 to 8, Monday through Friday, the Michael K. Show in the afternoons, 3 to 7, for your chance to win $1,000 per show. The K. Show 20th anniversary party is brought to you by Coors Light, keeping New York chill. 
and Tullamore do when it's time to celebrate. It's Tully time. For details on how you can win or to purchase tickets to the event, go to kshow20.com. Now, 20 is spelled out. It's not 2-0. It's the word 20. kshow20.com. All right. No further ado. It, I forgot what time it was. You know, we always do it at 5, so we pushed it back to 6. It is time for what I learned this week on TikTok. Now, if you've never heard the segment before, very simple. I spend, as a 51-year-old man, way too much time on that TikTok app. But it's because I learned so much. Now, what I learn is entertaining, but completely useless information. It's not really going to help you in life, but it's fun. And every single week, I torture both Jacob and whoever he's along with. Today, it's Julian, to see if they can decipher what something, a real fact, or something that I've just completely made up. And it's called What I Learned This Week on TikTok. Now, Jacob, Julian, are you uh, ready to go? I'm going to try to be ready. I was hoping right. I was hoping we avoid this segment just because, you know, you had a right, shorter show, show today. Sure. You were hoping for a little Ranger overtime, a little shootout, maybe a, uh, an extended Islander pregame show, anything Ex- you could get. Exactly. I got you. Oh, All right. Well, uh, are you going first here, Jacob? Yeah, I'll go first. Why All not? right. Here we go. First one, there is a psychological disorder in which people believe that they are cows. Number two, the last person to be found guilty of witchcraft in England is the great aunt of comedian Carrot Top. Number three, all the sweaters worn by Mr. Rogers on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood were actually produced in sweatshops. Or number four, Crest Toothpaste, for a short time in the 1980s, produced a frozen food line that included lasagna. All right, so to recap, number one, there is a psychological disorder in which people actually believe they are cows. Number two, the last person found guilty of witchcraft in England is the great aunt of comedian Carrot Top. Number three, all the sweaters worn by Mr. Rogers were actually produced in sweatshops. And number four, Crest Toothpaste, for a short time in the 80s, produced a frozen food line that included lasagna. Okay. All right. How uh, you feeling? Not great. Not great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just listening to some of these segments, I'm just, I mean, some of these answers, I'm just like, okay, that sounds crazy. But the one that did stand out to me and the one okay. I think it is, is uh, the psychological disorders. The psychological do. disorder where people actually think they're cows. Yes, I believe that's probably a real thing. Okay. You're going to lock it in? And I'm going to lock it in. Wow, this time you have not gone the old route of, you know, two you like, two you don't. No, no, and no. I went straight to the one that stood out. That's that stood it. out to you. And it was effective. Yes, you nailed it right out of the box. Yes, I, I'm not going to try and butcher the term, but, yeah, people actually believe the cow, they, they believe themselves to be cows. They go into fields and they start eating grass. You don't want that. Oh, no, that's weird. I, I, no, I know I don't want that, you hipster doofus. All right, so uh, very good job, Jacob. Right out of the box. Now you really put some pressure on Julian because now he's got to, you know, he can't can't swing and miss. Julian, are you ready, my friend? Ready as I can be. I okay, suppose. here we go. Uh, number one, the ocean produces more oxygen than trees. Number two, ice does not melt in the microwave. When the microwave is turned on, not just, you know, over time. You know what I'm saying. Number three, the Eiffel Tower was built in just over five months. Or there is only one stop sign in the entire city of Paris. So to recap, the ocean produces more oxygen than trees. Number two, ice does not melt when the microwave is turned on. Uh, Number three, the Eiffel Tower was built in just over five months. 
or there is only one stop sign in the entire city of Paris. I think I'm going to follow uh, Jacob's lead okay. and just pick one. Sure. Right off the top. And I think that is the first answer. Number one. Uh, which one was that? The ocean that produces more than or ice? Which did I say was first? Oh, uh, ocean. Ocean produces oxygen. more oxygen than trees. Lock it in? I'm going to lock it in. I don't, I don't like There's something not right here. Something, something's fishy. Both of you are getting, yes, that's correct. Oh, Very good, Julian. Oh, I love it. Oh, this is not, we might just cut the show short today. This is, this is not good. This is going to screw up all my, I plan out for you guys to mess it up and we killing time and everything else. This is not the way this is supposed to go. No need to kill time over here today. No, apparently we got to get right to it. Maybe that's, maybe you guys have been humoring me all this time. All right, I got two more. Uh, who's going? Are we going snake draft or are we going back to back? Are we going to Julian or are we going to Jacob here? Uh, we can do back to back. It doesn't matter. Okay, back to back. Uh, Julian, here you go, my friend. Number one, according to the Bible, there were actually four wise men that visited the baby Jesus, but only three bought bought. I can't even speak. I'm so stunned now by you guys getting him right. Only three bought gifts. Number two. Soccer refs, on average, run five miles backwards during a match. Number three, tomatoes are considered a vegetable because of the Supreme Court. Or number four, the name for the Pringles mascot, the guy on the on the container there, is Sir Carson Millicent Pringle. So again, to recap, number one, according to the Bible, there were actually four wise men, but only three bought gifts. Number two, soccer refs, on average, run five miles backwards during a match. Number three, tomatoes are only considered a vegetable because of the Supreme Court. Or number four, the official name for the Pringles mascot is Sir Sir Carson Millicent Pringle. Uh, It worked before. I'm going to do it again. Okay. First one, just one, and I think it's uh, three. Number three. Which one? The one about the tomatoes. Tomatoes. Considered a vegetable only because of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Lock it in? Yeah, I'm going to lock it in. The show will end early, people. I'll just tell you that right now. No fun when you get them right over. Yes, very. I mean, three for three. Oh, my God. What what is going on here? Are you guys now on TikTok? Is that how this is happening? No, not yet, but I will be soon. I I don't like this one bit. Don't like it one bit. Well, maybe it's the show. You look, my brilliance is rubbing off on you guys. Like, I get everything right every single week, and now every, everybody's getting everything right. It's the only thing I can I go I think that's with. it. Yeah, may, maybe. This sounded a little sarcasm there, Julian. I don't like it. Don't like it one bit there either. All right. Jacob, here we go, my friend. I'm going down swinging. <sighs> Let's see here. All right, here we go. All right. Uh, which one do I have on here? Okay, I got the four. I got the one. Number one, Martin Scorsese, the movie director, has a severe fear of eggs, has never eaten one as a result. Number two, the Great Wall of China was partially financed by lottery sales. Number three, the term swag is actually an acronym that got started because it actually stands for stuff we all get. And number four, JFK owned an Afikar, a car that could turn into a boat, and he used to delight in pranking people 
by pretending to accidentally drive into the water. So again, there was four of them. Uh, Number one, Martin Scorsese has a severe fear of eggs, has never eaten one as a result. Number two, the Great Wall of China was partially financed by lottery sales. Number three, the term swag is actually an acronym for stuff we all get. And number four, JFK owned an Afikar, a car that could turn into a boat, and he used to delight pranking people by uh, accidentally, pretend to accidentally drive into the water. Oh, jeez. Gordon, I got a headache over here. Nah, yeah, good. You deserve <laughs> it. You're not the only one. <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at each one, and I'm just like, how unbelievable. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, the China lottery sales and mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese and his, right? uh, what is it, phobia of Eggs? Uh, eggs. He has a severe fear of eggs. Has never eaten one as a result. And the, what was the last one? Uh, JFK has an uh, an yes. Afikar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think Afikar. I am. Afikar is a car that could turn into a boat. And he used to prank people all the time. Okay, I might be uh, killing some time here. but uh, All right. No, don't don't humor <laughs> me. Just get right to it. If you know it, get to it. Go ahead. I don't. I don't. And this all is right. why it's hard. Uh, but I'm going to go s- and say it's... Uh, China, the Great Wall of China was partially financed by uh, lottery tickets. Are you going to lock it in? <laughs> you don't sound very confident. That first one, you you knew it right away. Bang. Yeah, this I'm one, n- you don't sound so confident. I'm not as confident. And then okay. the fact that you, the fact that you said, are you going to lock it in so quickly? Yeah. With a little bit of humor in it, mm. I'm going to lock it in anyway. Stand on the confidence. <laughs> This might be the end of what I learned. I might have to delete the TikTok app. Yes! Never before in the history of this game. I don't know how long we've been doing this. Months. Months and months. At least six months. Never before has has anyone gotten all four of them right. No combination. Obviously, I will have to be in contact with one Ryan Hurley and one John Winthrop about getting you guys a raise because, yes, that is correct. (laughs) I think that that, that is the great thing. I wish you would do that. But, um... Uh, I also may have a conspiracy now. Okay. Were all the other answers correct? Also, uh, I mean, no. The, all the other ones are made up. Okay, because I feel like I mean you've done it once before, and I just mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you wanted to make us feel good. That's all. No, not at all. Martin Scorsese, the fear of eggs. That was actually um, Alfred Hitchcock, who has a severe fear of eggs, or mm. did. Uh, never ate one as a result. And that was going to be the one I was going to go for, too. See? The term swag is an acronym for stuff we all get. That is actually a Michael Scott's word, uh, a term <laughs> in the office. I stole that from the office. And there was somebody else who, it was another president, I think. Uh, was it Lyndon Johnson who owned an Afrikar and used to, to prank people? So I just kind of switched that one up. I don't even know if I've ever seen an Afrikar. Yeah. Well, guys, fantastic job. It is back to the drawing board. I feel like uh, Brian Cashman, after another failure, getting swept right out of things on uh, what I learned on TikTok. But that, my friends, is the segment, and that is what I learned this week on TikTok. And now, well, apparently you knew it before that, but now you learned it too. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up next, we'll get into the Giants a little bit. We'll talk a little Yankee baseball as well. We'll take your phone calls. Lots to do before 7 o'clock. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, for the Giants, we talked with, uh, obviously, Pat Leonard. The thing about the Kadarius-Tony trade, look, I think the Giants did fine, I guess. Uh, It's not exactly overwhelming a third-round pick, especially since it's the Chiefs' third-round pick. 
and it's going to be at the end of the third round. It is a little, I guess the, there was just no other offers out there. How can there be for a guy who is basically never plays? Uh, but it, it's weird the Giants were so desperate to get rid of him. They essentially sent him to the best place on earth. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Kadarius Toney is ever going to have his head sewn on straight enough to be a functioning NFL player, never mind a standout NFL player. It seems like he has the talent, but again, as I mentioned to Pat, right, he had one outstanding game last year, and that game he got thrown out for throwing a punch at somebody. That was his great game. He had a good game against the Saints, and then the rest of the season, it was eh, not a whole lot. And this year, it was nothing. So they sent him to a place where if it doesn't work out with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback and Andy Reid as the head coach, well, then, you know, it was never going to work out. And it is possible that things do work out. And if it works out, if he's able to get on the field and give you at some rate what they, he showed at times, very limited, but at times last year, well, then that might be a trade you do look back on. And there, it, look, we can all say, well, he wasn't going to do it for us. If he goes to Kansas City and then all of a sudden turns into Tyreek Hill 2.0, which I think is a stretch, but if that happens, yeah, it's going to look bad for the Giants. There's no other way about it when you've got a third-round pick for him. The other thing, I mentioned this in the open about Brian Dable. I was on FanDuel this week. Brian Dable is somehow not the betting favorite for coach of the year. Nick Sirianni of the Eagles is. And I get, well, the Eagles, they're undefeated. The Giants lost one game. Compare those runs. Going into the season, the Eagles were the favorites – partially the favorites to win the NFC East, and that's what they've done. Um, they were a, a, a fashionable pick to maybe go to the Super Bowl this year, and that's kind of what they look like right now. Now, again, I don't know how things play out, but if this season ended right now, Coach of the Year, Brian Dable deserves the Presidential Medal of Freedom, a People's Choice Awards, and the Fields Medal from Goodwill Hunting. I mean, come on. The guy has done an unbelievable job with a, with a, a roster – that has won four and five games here the last couple of years, a quarterback that nobody thought that was going to look even functional, never mind good, and a team that most people thought was going to win another five or six games. And people mentioned to me, oh, do you feel bad about being wrong about the job? No, what they're doing right now is legitimately shocking. And if it's not shocking, well, the chances are that you are just such a fan that you think everything's going to turn out well. So that's the way I look at that. Now, as for the Yankees, it is amazing to me how the Yankees get covered in comparison to how the Mets get covered. The Yankee season is this unmitigated disaster, this just epic fail of a season. Like, you would think it was one of the most, the biggest embarrassments in sports. When, let's be honest, nobody anywhere going into that series thought the Yankees were going to beat the Astros. I've mentioned this before. Yankees' betting odds were the longest betting odds they've had in a playoff series since the 1976 World Series. Let's not make it out now like the Yankees were expected to beat the Astros. Somewhere along the line, you'd like to think they're going to beat the Astros, and it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. But most people didn't think they were as good as the Astros this year when the Yankees were healthy, and clearly the Astros are the team to beat in the American League year after year. And on, on the other side of things, you know, the Mets season, I guess because it ended a little bit, there's been more time that has passed, I mean, to me, the, the Mets season is by far the bigger embarrassment. Higher payroll, completely collapsed in six critical games that not only lost them the, the division, but ousted them from the playoffs, the last three games of which they played at home against a team everyone was picking them against. Well, the Yankees were World Series or bust. Well, what were the Mets? 
all I saw in the second half of the year, if not all year, was, well, if Scherzer and DeGrom are healthy, who's going to beat them in a short series? Answer, the San Diego Padres. So I get it, maybe because the Mets season was over before the Yankees season was over and there's been more time that passed. All right, we're not going to just rehash it. But it's, it's amazing how the Mets have faded and the Yankees are still, I guess, providing content every single day. And part of it this week was the, uh, the statement from Hal Steinbrenner, essentially what you knew. Aaron Boone is going to be back. Brian Cashman is going to be back. So it really comes down to, and at some point I'm sure the Yankees will hold their you know, season-ending press conference and tell you all the things that went wrong and how they, you know, they're going to change this and change that. Words are empty. And I've said this with Larry at night. Don't judge people in life by what they say. Judge them by what they do. And the Yankees are showing you that their mission statement is a marketing slogan. That's it. That's all. Yeah, our idea, owner is a bobo. Yeah, that's the Dolphins. The idea that the Yankees truly care about winning a World Series like they are the, the team where the bottom line matters. If you're bringing back the GM and the manager of an organization that has failed repeatedly to meet the goal of a World Series, then you cannot be serious about what the goal is. If that's what you're going to do, if you're saying this goal is the most important thing to us by hook or by crook, we have to accomplish this goal. And yet you bring the same people back year after year. And again, the, the, the reason you fail is the same year after year after year. You know, one year, bad luck. Two years, weird things happen. Ah, the Astros cheated, whatever. Five years? Five years? And I'll hear people say, well, you know, Hal Steinbrenner's not cheap. Well, if he, he would be if it, if it wasn't going to cost him money. He can't be cheap because the goal with the Yankees, the real goal, not the marketing slogan of, oh, chase for 28 and whatever nonsense they want to make you believe that they're in it to win it. That's the, that's the bottom line. The goal is to have a good team, a playoff kind of team, a team that's going to sell out the building. And whatever's third on that list is a distant third on the list. Because if you repeatedly fail year after year, either you change the people in charge or you have to change what they have at their disposal. So either Hal, he's, I mean, he's, he's in his right to not spend more money because they had the third highest payroll in baseball. But if you're spending the third highest payroll in baseball and the most important thing to you, to, to you is to win a World Series – and by spending the third most money in, ba- in baseball is not enough to get that done, well, then either you need to change the people who are spending the money or you need to spend more money. It's one or the other. You can't tell me, you know, I'm really ticked about losing every single year and then bring back the people responsible for losing every single year. You wouldn't do that with the players, right? If you could get out of the Josh Donaldson contract, I'm sure you would get off, the, the, off of Josh Donaldson at third base. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff has already been said before. It's all completely true about Brian Cashman being behind the curve on a lot of things with the Yankees and that the job is about to get harder because the Yankees are getting older. And you can shout Anthony Volpe from the rooftops. He's not done a good job of developing talent. And if you're you're saying the same person has been in charge since 2017 when they had a blank slate and young, young roster, young players, and now we here are in, what, five years later in 2022 with a top-heavy roster, another year older, locked into several guys you would lo- like to be locked into, a stagnant budget with a free agent class that's not great. The road to the, pa- uh, the, the path to this, this goal that you say you have is becoming harder 
and the people that you are in char- putting in charge of accomplishing the goal are not getting you any closer, that's for sure. So whenever the Yankees do have their season-ending wrap-up and they tell you whatever they want to tell you, don't judge them by what they say. Judge them by what they do. If they bring back Brian Cashman and they keep the payroll the same and they bring back Judge, if they don't bring back Judge, if they keep the roster primarily the same, well, then you're going to get the same result. And, and you'd have to think that they're okay with that. And if that's the case, then you can't tell me that winning is the most important thing to the organization. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's squeeze in a couple of calls here. Chris is in Beth Page. Chris, you're first up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. Uh, Gordon, I'm a big Giant fan. Um, I like your take on uh, Kadarius Toney. Uh, I want to talk about Daniel Jones, but before I do that, uh, I tell you, it's way more important to me uh, in that, you know, that Kadarius Tony didn't work out is the absolute failure that Kenny Galladay has been as a wide receiver. That's going down as maybe the worst free agent signing in NFL history. The guy's caught no touchdown passes in two years there. He's killing them against the cap and he never plays. He never gets in. Um, I don't, you know, that's the one, that's the worst thing Gettleman left us with, you know, a disastrous cap. And that what these guys have managed to do, the way we got off to a 6-1 and one start, um, despite all that. And the Nate Solder signing. I mean, no, really, you can't think of two worse free agent signings if you tried. So it, it, I just I, wanted well, look, to say Galladay, that. Galladay, I yeah. mean, he's doing everything he can to make it the ter- a terrible sign, right? Like, I mean, he's done absolutely nothing, essentially, here. Uh, so yeah, right. the only way right. it could be worse is if you paid him more money. Uh, I mean, that's the only way it could have been worse. Right. All right, I just wanted to get that out of the way because, you know, everyone's talking about the to Darius Tony and, you know, what a disaster it is to have a first-round pick like that. It didn't work out. To me, the Galladay thing is much worse. Anyhow, uh, number two is uh, on to Daniel Jones. Um, listen, I think it's, you know, how they like to use the phrase, uh, the science is settled. I think the science is absolutely settled with this guy. And I've been feeling this for a while. I go to a lot of the games. I see it in person. They, I could tell they like this guy. And everyone says, oh, well, they – made their decision early in the year not to extend his contract. They didn't know what they had. I think they absolutely know what they had. He fits what they seem to do. He's a smart guy. He can only get better, I think, you know, as far as if they put uh, some talent around him, the guys that catch the ball, for crying out loud. Um, but other than that is uh, anyone who thinks, ah, uh, they haven't really thought of, uh, you know, if they're going to keep him or not, I think there's – I'll be talking to you three years from now, guarantee, and Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. It's just, it, to me, the science is absolutely settled, and people that don't think so uh, or don't like Daniel Jones, you're in for a rude awakening. He's, he's going to be the giant quarterback for the next three or four years. Well, Chris, I would agree with you. I think that he is going to be here next year. I'll put it that way. Um, I would not say that it is a settled thing. And, Chris, thanks for the phone call. Um, I mean, you, you played seven games, right? And one of the things that has held Daniel Jones back is injury. So that's still out there, right? I mean, there's still a possibility he could get hurt. And if he does get hurt, um, I mean, that's that's one of the real questions that he had to answer this year. So that's not done yet. And, again, it's seven games. I, I like to see the entire story before I review the story, right? Like, and, uh, like if you're at school, I don't want to take the test before I have uh, gotten all the information. So let me get all – same thing with Judge. I said before the season, I, I have no problem with the Yankees not re-signing him beforehand because I want to see if he can stay healthy for another year and what kind of year he's going to have. And, man, that turned out great. <laughs> it might cost the Yankees a whole lot more money, but what do I care about that? The Yankees got plenty of money. 
maybe if they sign him before the season, maybe he doesn't have the year he does. And if he doesn't have the year that he does, the Yankees certainly don't end up having the year that they do. Buddha is in the Bronx. Buddha, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon, what's going on, bro? What's going on, Buddha? Hey, listen, I've got two things, too, real quick. I, the first one is about what you spoke with the last caller. I agree with him, you know, maybe for a slightly different reason. I don't think they're going to get rid of Jones. I think if, if anybody's going to go, it's going to be Boston. You can tell by the usage. Like, look, they're just trying to maximize what they can out of him. And, you know, his best bet would be – he's not going to get big money. His best bet, best bet would be to get to a team like Buffalo or Kansas City next year, you know, and try to win a Super Bowl. But with Jones, um, you know, this the lottery, uh, these, these picks, these quarterbacks, these first rounds. I mean, it's a crapshoot, man. If you look at the last 10 years, what, like 25% of them have worked out, you're better off getting a, a quarterback in the second round and having him, like, steal the job rather than you get somebody and you give him the job, which takes me over to my team. <laughs> so now, look, you're looking at the Jets, and, I mean, you got all the, 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 the hyperbole, the adjectives, the descriptions, and everything like that. Anybody who doesn't need a magnifying glass or a, a pair of bifocals to look at the screen knows that the quarterback play for the Jets is not good. And what I've seen here recently is, in a strange way, it's made me appreciate Mark Sanchez. When I've looked at the last three years of Sam Donald, plus this year and a half of uh, Zach Wilson, I mean, it shows as a young player, you know, he might not have had the best talent, but he was able to be a part of a winning process. And the Jets' defense – Really, the Jets team, when they went to the playoffs those couple of years under Rex Ryan, you know, the best player on the team was the quarterback. So now, you know, circa 2022, if you look at the Jets team, the best player on the team is either Quinn Williams or Source Gardner. So there is a path to get into the playoffs doing that. Wait, so you said, you said the, the like, best player on the Jets when they went to the playoffs with Sanchez was, was, was Sanchez? No, cornerback. Darrell Oh, corner. Okay, I thought you said quarter. I'm sorry. I'm cornerback. Sorry. Yes, no, go no, ahead. I'm no, 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 no. And I'm saying now, if you look at the team, it's either the same. I haven't so started it. drinking yet. Uh, no, 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 don't worry about that. We do that a little while. But uh, Source Gardner or Quentin Williams is the best player on the Jets. I mean, it's clear. You know, and um, when you look at there's a path to, to get into the playoffs, you know, with that. And what happens is everybody's talking about, you know, rip off the Band-Aid. And let Zach Wilson, or what's the, like the term, let, let Zach Wilson cook. Well, we saw what happened with Russell Wilson with that. But listen, sometimes you rip off the Band-Aid and the wound gets infected. What they need to do and what they – and if you really pay attention to what they're doing, forget about not just how they've been called the games. As soon as Brees Hall got hurt, immediately they signed a running back because they're in that building. And those guys know that there's some things you could do with him and there's some things that you can't. And the first thing you can't do is have him back there just winging it and throwing the ball all over. He's not accurate. And if you notice, he, um, the reason – you see how Elijah Moore, what he said? Now, he was wrong for doing it. But just bear watch. If you pay attention to Garrett Wilson's body language, ever since the change at quarterback has been made, it's not been great for him too. But I can't worry about that right now. Winning the football game is the most important part. And you win this game here this week, which you should, you know, you can have them playing musical quarterbacks if the defense plays right. You have to stick to the plan that's worked. You don't just change the plan just for the sake of changing the plan. Sometimes you have to realize what you have and what you don't have. And I commend the coaching staff for doing that. 
Well, look, and, and Buddha, thanks for the phone call. You know, with Brees Hall's running up and down the field, uh, it's a lot easier to do that. You know, um, I do think you're going to have to get more out of Zach Wilson one way or the other, and you're going to have to find out if he can give you more, right? Like the only way you can find out if he's going to give you more is by giving him that opportunity. Now, if he, if he, again, if he's, if he's not accurate or he starts throwing picks, um, you're going to have to dial things back. Uh, that's true, and, and you think that the offensive line is not going to be as good as it was. It seems like when this year the difference for Wilson is when they can keep him, you know, almost like first read, quick decisions, get the ball, almost like Daniel Jones, get the ball out of his hands quickly, it's not so bad. It's the opposite of last year. Last year he made plays when he started running around and improvising. This year when he's running around and improvising, it's like he's never played football before. It's like you're like, get rid of the ball, throw the ball, what are you doing? So we'll see if, uh, if the Patriots can capitalize on that uh, tomorrow. And for the Jets, to me, this is a must-win. You have to be able to go out there uh, and get this win this week. Enough is enough. You can't, I mean, six years in a row you've lost to the Patriots? Six years in a row? Both games? And, again, not heartbreakers. Not, oh, we lost in overtime and a field goal. I mean, you're getting destroyed. 41-3, 30-14, 54-13, 25-6. I mean, it's been ugly. Time, if you want to show that things are really different, you got to be able to go out and beat the Patriots tomorrow. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, have I told you people how good my picks have been? They have been the best. I will run it down for you. I will give you the actual numbers of just how good I have been in comparison to the other people on this station. And we'll do it next right here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Okay, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. It is now time for maybe the most successful part of any radio show on this station. It is time for NFL picks for week eight. Now, if you've listened to my show uh, this year, you know that I have been on fire with my picks so far this year. And much like Robert Sala of the Jets, I also have the receipts to prove it. Now, I've been mentioning this before, uh, in case you haven't heard it before. This year, all the hosts on our station have been making their picks on the Cover 5 app. It's an app. You can download it free. You make five picks against the spread every single week. They keep track of who does what. And based on how they have rankings. And if you join, you can win money. Now, I'm not looking for the money part, but we are in on the Cover 5 app, Group NY22. You can still join. We got about 1,600 people rolling in there. And speaking of rolling, I've been rolling. I am coming into week eight. You know, not a short stay. This is not one week or two weeks. Oh, you just had a couple of lucky breaks. I am 24th overall. Out of the whole group, again, almost 1,600 people. And last week, our best week. In fact... It's the best week anyone will ever have in that I went 5-0. and So I'm already 24th. I'm moving up the charts very quick. I'm like Casey Kasem with a bullet atop the charts. 24th is incredible. Now, it's one thing to be beating most of the, the people that are in the group. But, you know, I'm not in it to beat the uh, NY Dynasty 88 or Big Booty Man 6969. No, my goal is to beat the hosts. How many of the hosts? I want to beat all the hosts. Every single host on the station, I want to be number one. And you might ask, Gordon, how is that going? Well, in fact, it's going phenomenally. Not just because I have been doing so well, 
But the rest of the hosts, they've been making it easy on me because they have been doing so poorly. And you know me, again, like Robert Sala, I bring the receipts. So let's go to the handy little tote board here on the Cover 5 app. Again, very easy app to use. You know, as I said, I am in 24th overall. Not too hard, right? You just kind of go down a little bit, and there's 24, Gordon Damer. Didn't use some alias to kind of hide my pick. Nothing like that. I am right there, center square, like Paul Lynn back in the day on Hollywood Squares. All right, so you might be asking, how are the other hosts doing? Well, funny you ask. I have the numbers here. I like to run them down every week. The other shows, they probably won't be mentioning this because of, you know, how things are going. Uh, And I'll be honest, when I start floundering, I won't be bringing it up either. They might then, but uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, But as far as the other hosts on the station, let's see. We've got Rick DiPietro. Out of the hosts, he's in second place. He is right now 253, which is still very, I mean, at 1,600, that's still pretty solid. Uh, Don LaGreca, he's at 294. Don was right up there with me at one point, and he has kind of dropped down a little bit. But still, 294 out of almost 1,600. But then... Then the drop-off really comes, and it, it's, it's, it's pretty precipitous from this point. It's, it's like falling off a mountain. You ever see uh, The Price is Right, where they do the wheel, and you got to get, like, the dollar to go to the showcase showdown or whatnot it is? Uh, it, it, that, when you scroll down to try to find the other hosts on the station, it's almost like spinning that big wheel. Your finger has to go, like, wing, and you have to really kind of wing it down there before you find it. Uh, as for the other hosts... Michael K. Now, K has got two entries because he's such a big deal. His best one is at 415. That's not so great. Uh, then you got Dan Grasse. He's down in the 600, 637 for Dan. Uh, then you got another Michael K. He's at 726. I don't know what 415 and 726 are, what they work out to be an average. It's not very high. It's certainly not 24th. Let's be honest. It's not 24th. Uh, then you get down to the 800s, my man, Larry Hardesty. Now, Larry's kind of coming back up the way. He had been down a little bit further, but now 873. And then Dave Rothenberg, he's at 880. Wow, that's really far down there. And then Peter Rosenberg, he's clearly pacing himself so far. He doesn't want to you know, burn himself out too early. He's at 975. The main takeaway here is two things. A, I'm the best, and I'm in 24th place out of almost 1,600 people. So... Enough of me tooting my own horn, because if you don't toot your own horn, sometimes there is no music. Let's run it down for week eight in the NFL. Hit the music. All right, here we go. Five picks as always. Sometimes they're a little tougher to come by this week. Feel good about a couple. Feel like I had to reach on a couple as well. But I felt that way last week. And again, what did I do last week? Five and oh. You you only can pick five games. I got all five of them right. You can't do any better than that. First one. Sometimes you find a system that works for you. I have found a system that works for me. It works for me on the Cover 5 app. It works for me in betting. It works all across the board. And that is picking against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are in Detroit this week. It's the Lions plus three on the Cover 5 app. Now, of course, Tua was back last week. Dolphins got a win against the Steelers. But it's sometimes better to be lucky than good. And the Dolphins were absolutely lucky. Tua was absolutely lucky that the Steelers' defensive backs just kept dropping interceptions. If they pick off any of them, very good chance that the Steelers win the game. So this week, in Detroit against the Lions, a Lions team that is getting healthier. Amon Ross St. Brown is back. DeAndre Swift is looking to be get back as well. And the Lions, we know, are going to score some points. So this is probably going to be a high-scoring game. But again, the Dolphins... 
are not a team to be believed in. They are not an organization to invest money in. For God's sake, what would you, you work too hard for your money. You wouldn't be investing it in that loser organization. So give me the Lions plus the points. Okay, so that's first game. Another one that I've been rolling with lately and have been cashing in every step of the way. Patriots at the Jets. Jets plus one and a half on the cover five app. Now, I'd like it to be a little bit higher than that, but that's the odds they put it out. And here's the thing with the Jets. They beat the Packers. They beat the Broncos. Mostly, the takeaway from those games are those teams are not very good. Packers lost to the Washington Commanders. So, you know, they're not very good. And the Broncos, they've stunk up the joint every single week. Now, I don't think the Patriots are all that good. And the Jet injuries absolutely concern me, especially with now more of a focus on Zach Wilson. He's going to have to do more. I don't know that it necessarily has to be a lot more, but it does have to be more. He's going to have to start making some plays. But I have some confidence if they can kind of keep him on schedule and not force him to, um, you know, improvise on the fly. That's where things get crazy. That's where it's like he's never played football before, where he's running backwards and it's like he's like a chicken with his head cut off. So I think that they'll be able to limit that. And look, the Jets, I said this when the Jets played the Dolphins. They were due to get a win against a division opponent. They're due to beat the Patriots one of these times. And when you take a look at all the different aspects of the game, the one area I have the most uh, confidence in is the Jet defense. That's the strongest part of this game. And while there's questions about Zach Wilson, there's certainly questions about whoever is starting at any given moment for the Patriots a quarterback. So give me the Jets plus the points at home. We've been riding with the Jets for the last couple of weeks. We've been riding with the Giants for the last couple of weeks. Giants on the road this week again at Seattle. Probably the toughest of these four games where they can really make some hay. And Seattle, as much as it surprises me, as much as it surprises you, they're a pretty good team. Now the Giants are plus three on the cover five app. And Seattle and the Giants are kind of mirror images of each other, right? Like surprising teams nobody thought was going to be very good. When you're talking about coach of the year, I think most people around here think it's Brian Dable. But if you were to take Brian Dable out of the equation, you'd have to kind of consider Pete Carroll, no? I mean, nobody thought, everybody thought Seattle was going to be dreadful this year, right? They lose Russell Wilson. They're looking ahead to the draft. They got Geno Smith as their starter. And Geno Smith has been excellent. As good as Daniel Jones has been, and as much of a surprise as Daniel Jones has been, I think you'd have to say that Geno Smith has been a bigger surprise. Now, the one big difference, the one area of this game that I think is a significant difference is Seattle's defense is not very good. And Saquon Barkley is about to go off this Sunday. I think he's got a stretch of games here. As long as he can stay healthy, he's really going to take it to the next level. So this is one of them. Seattle cannot stop the run. And at this point, the Giants, you know what to expect. They're like a movie franchise that has multiple sequels and you know kind of the scripts but you still kind of enjoy it, right? Like, you like the movie, but you know where the movie's going. You know the hero is not going to get shot in the first act. So that's kind of the Giants. They'll play a, a first half where they kind of muck it up. And then the second half, they'll make a little tweak here, make a play, and then fourth quarter, they just execute better than the other team. And that's how they've been winning games. So give me the Giants plus the points on the road. Now, last week, one of my picks, it was one of my last picks, but I really kind of like it. It took me a while to get there, and that was the Raiders. 
This week, I'm going back to the well with Vegas. Vegas is at New Orleans against the Saints. Vegas on the Cover 5 app is plus one and a half. They're getting a point and a half. Now, most books now have the Saints uh, getting the point and a half, but Cover 5 has Vegas point and a half. Raiders have messed up a lot this year. You know how they've lost four games. I think it's by like a 14 combined points. But it seems like, especially on offense, they're starting to put things together. Josh Jacobs has been excellent. And at the end of the day, Raiders just have way more talent. And I really think they'll be able to move the ball up and down on New Orleans. And again, the spread is not, it's not even a field goal. And I'm getting points with Vegas. I find it just very hard to believe that the Saints would be able to win this game. And I do think that there's a good possibility of a blowout in favor of of Vegas, so give me the Raiders plus the point and a half. So then we got game five. Kind of battled with this one. I looked at Philly. I felt like the spread was just a little too high there. I looked at the Titans. Couldn't get on board fully. So give me the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus ten and a half at home against the Packers. Bills coming off the bye. That kind of worries me a little bit. Maybe they come out a little flat after that big emotional Kansas City win. The Packers being this bad, kind of, you know, the NFL, when everybody zigs, you got to zag, man, right? Are the Packers going to lose another game? That line worries me very, very high. The Packers, though, I think just are a bad team. I know the names look good, and you think, ah, they'll eventually figure it out. They've not figured it out. In fact, I think, if anything, they're getting worse. It's never good when... The, the star player says one week, you know, we got to simplify things. And then they simplify things and they go out and lose again. How simple are we going to? I think it's simple. You're a bad team. I think that's the simple part of the Packers. And the Bills are really good. And the thing you like about the Bills is when they get you, they don't let up, man. They just keep the, the pedal to the metal and just keep running up the points. It's a Sunday night game. I think they're going to put on a show. So I don't love the points. I don't love coming off the bye. I don't think the Packers are going to be just a horrendous team the rest of the way. At some point, they're going to win a game, but it ain't going to be this week. Give me the Bills minus 10.5. All right, so those are your picks for Week 8, the most accurate and unbelievable picks, making you money every single week. The Free Money Express continues. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.